Hey folks, welcome back to the show. This is your host, Ryan Kennedy, and I have a very awesome guest on the show today to talk about a medicinal plant that I've personally been using uh, the past couple of years, and I've had great results with recommending this plant to patients in my practice for everything from relieving anxiety to stress management to boosting sleep quality and just enjoying the mood enhancing effects. And the plant I'm referring to is called kava. And I've invited Cameron George on the show today to discuss kava since he's one of the most knowledgeable people I've ever heard speak on this. Uh, so Cameron, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me, man. Really appreciate it. Yeah, I want to start by an overview of how you came across kava and the impact it's had on your life. Oh, man. Yeah. Very long story, but I'll give you the, uh, the Reader's Digest version, the condensed version of it. Uh, um, I came across kava like a lot of people, a lot of entrepreneurs and influencers sort of in the health and wellness space or in any market. Um, it, was, it was really what I call sort of a pain to purpose type of journey. I mean, a lot of these, these discoveries and these endeavors that I'm involved in today really sort of came out of my own journey back to health. I was, I got severely sick in my early twenties. I had, you know, sort of what we call in in this sort of world, the functional medicine paradigm, kind of like the, you know, the perfect storm of, you know, a lot of these negative stressors that came together in my life, you know, genetic susceptibility, toxic exposures, you know, emotional traumas, the whole thing came together and just had this explosion happen. And the bottom fell out at a pretty early age, you know, which is actually, um, I got tremendously sick, became sort of fully handicapped, uh, you know, at one point started with minor fatigue, ended up in severe fatigue, eventually ended up with a bunch of crazy food reactions, food allergies, you know, having seizures, all kinds of stuff was basically totally incapacitated. And then, uh, you know, spent years trying to rehabilitate my health and try to figure out, investigate, first of all, what the heck caused it? Mm-hmm. What was the multifaceted, you know, picture that led to me, me being, uh, you know, thrust into this chronic disease process and then trying to figure out how to claw my way out through, you know, um, you know, a myriad of different, uh, you know, multi-therapeutic approaches, right? Dietary approaches, you know, treatments, therapies, modalities, basically to address cause and to help to sort of give my body and, you know, uh, you know, an extra boost to accelerate and actually help facilitate the healing process. Um, so I, sort of stumbled across kava, you know, in the midst of that journey, I lost my health um, and exhausted the whole allopathic model with the whole drug route. It ended up disastrous, made everything way, way worse and put me, you know, that was actually what kind of, you know, put me in that, in the most, you know, severe level of my process. Um, And then sort of, you know, ventured out into, you know, the functional alternative medicine sort of paradigm looking at, you know, basically anything that was research-based under the sun. I spent many years just delving in and scouring medical and scientific literature and talking to doctors, researchers, scientists, traveling around to various places, trying different things, and eventually got, you know, aligned and integrated into a network of functional medicine doctors that helped me sort of systematize all of these individual sort of things that I had found into something that actually allowed me to eventually get my life back. However, when I, you know, I mentioned just a second ago that part of, you know, you know, the symptomatic like portion of what I was experiencing when I was at my worst was I developed all, you know, this sort of neurotoxic sort of autoimmune sensitivity syndrome where I developed these crazy reactions, like I was saying to foods and to supplements and to even like chemicals and fragrances and different things. It's, it's, it, it sort of happens in these neurotoxic illnesses whenever, you know, the system becomes so overwhelmed. It's kind of like a form of PTSD where you start just spouting out crazy reactions 
um, like that are as severe as like a severe peanut allergy, but it was just, I was reacting to everything, right? That I would go into anaphylaxis at times. I would be jettisoned into a, a seizure and I was having like 10 seizures a day at one point and lost the ability to eat foods and that gets scary. And then eventually started reacting to even like water, which is just nuts at just how sick I was. Um, so basically I was put on heavy doses of benzodiazepine drugs, these anti-anxiety, anxiolytic, uh, anti-seizure drugs, um, to help control the, um, you know, the convulsions and to allow me to just even like uh, sleep and to not have these dangerous reactions to be able to eat food and stuff. They eventually started to lose their effectiveness. And, you know, on those drugs, you kind of set up the precedent, you know, they lose their effectiveness, tolerance ensues, and then you, you go off of them and you, you ricochet even farther in the other direction in the withdrawal process, which, which was, you know, it was, it was becoming lethal at the time. It was, it was a very bad situation. So I was looking for a plant-based, uh, non-addictive, non-toxic alternative to these benzodiazepine drugs that could help control my convulsions, hopefully reduce my reactions, allow me to tolerate, um, you know, you know, a plethora of different, you know, your approaches, all the dietary stuff, basically all the things that I would had the best chance of helping to get me well. Um, and I really wasn't expecting to find it, but I was in a really bad situation up until this point, I'd already spent years sort of delving into this stuff. So I kind of knew what was out there in the research and knew what was out there and what people were using. I had tried a lot of different things, tried medical cannabis and tried all the, the standard sort of anxiolytic herbs and different things all of which are fine, you know, but, you know, you know, for me in my situation, it was a little bit like trying to, you know, take down an elephant with a BB gun, you know, it was just like, not, not going to be enough uh, for the situation that I was in. And so I was, um, I was having a conversation with a, an individual who I had met, uh, who was a farmer and one, you know, an indigenous Islander from these islands in the South Pacific, which is the place where Kava comes from. Um, and he was from Vanuatu, which is right next to Fiji. So kava has been used there for like 3000 years. It's really the home of where most of the kava in the world comes from is from this island chain there. Um, and we, you know, he just you know, suggested to me, he's like, well, have you tried kava? Right. And I'm like, well, I have, you know, I got these capsules from the health food store a couple of years ago and, and uh, they're under the name Kava Kava. And it, it was no more really to me than like chamomile tea or maybe a little bit stronger, mildly anxiolytic. And, uh, and I said, it just wasn't enough. And he kind of chuckled and said like, well, that's not real kava. That's, <laughs> that's a kava-like product. That's not like the drink that we drink. It is a whole another level of, you know, therapeutic efficacy, right? Um, and so I was like, okay, really great. And I didn't realize that that distinction was there. I didn't realize that, that extracting it a certain way could like cut down most of the effects. Didn't understand the full, um, the, you know, the significance of what we call the entourage effect of getting the complete spectrum of active constituents and consuming it like a food, which makes more difference with some plants and others. With kava, it's make or break. So he sends me uh, a bag of this dried root, basically, and tells me how to prepare it, just like the indigenous islanders do. So in the islands, you go to a kava bar, you go into a village in one of these islands, they've been consuming this for thousands of years. And, uh, you know, basically what you get is like this bowl of what looks like muddy water. And that's what kava is. Kava is this full spectrum, anxiolytic, mood boosting, nootropic elixir. Uh, that's, it's, the, it's the full spectrum drink that's prepared by grinding and kneading down the roots of this shrub called Piper methysticum, which is kava that grows exclusively in this part of the world. And they knead it into, uh, you know, in a strainer bag into a bowl of water for like 45 minutes. 
and you end up with that bowl. And then they use it in ceremonies. They use it for everything in their culture, just like we use coffee or alcohol. It's, it's, it's as common. You know, they use it for weddings, funerals, spiritual ceremonies, social gatherings. It's used for everything there. It's, it's used to bring a sense of community because it, it kind of brings that social lubrication that alcohol brings in that traditional form. It's, uh, it has minor entheogenic qualities, like which we would correlate to what we see in like the psychedelic compounds that are becoming popular today. But without making you trip or hallucinate, it kind of brings you into this introspective state that's very easy to connect to people. Um, it reduces anxiety, it improves sleep um, while uh, sort of activating the mind. So it kind of elicits a state of calm, uh, enhanced focus, right? So people use it as a coffee alternative because coffee makes some people jittery. This brings you into sort of a calm focus that's very relaxed, you know, to get you into that sort of mode. So it's, and it's totally non-addictive. So he sends me the actual stuff. I prepare it. Um, and I start preparing it and then I start consuming it. And I'm like totally blown away by it because within two weeks, like all, virtually probably like 90% of my reactions were gone. And I was reacting to everything, convulsions, seizures, the whole thing. And within a month, actually about two months, I was completely off of benzodiazepines uh, of regular use. And which was just, I mean, it just completely blew me away because, you know, if you know anything about benzodiazepines and withdrawal process there, like sometimes it takes a year, year and a half mm -hmm. to taper. And then you can even be totally kind of screwed up and imbalanced after that, um, you know, for a long time. Uh, and it's just they're some of the hardest drugs to get off of. They're just, it's just a nasty situation, as nasty as opiates in, 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 in many ways and alcohol. Um, so I was obviously completely blown away by it. Um, got the ability to eat foods again and to start doing some of these therapies. And so it was that leverage point that allowed me to sort of relax, to get me out of that paralyzing state of constant stress, constant anxiety, constant reactivity, constant fear even allowed me to sleep, improve my sleep. And it was a good leverage tool. It wasn't the only thing that I used to get me well, but it was a tremendous tool that came in as like a safe crutch to get me off of the benzos and allow me to do the things that eventually got me well. Uh, and so that's kind of how I, I arrived at it. And that's how we arrived at this company because um, I was working uh, with this network of functional medicine doctors. They originally, they, 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 they eventually hired me to start, you know, being involved in the research side of, you know, formulating protocols for their physicians. And um, I did a lot of research for various books, influencers in the field, and just started doing a lot of work in the functional medicine sort of health and wellness space for various influencers and just doctors in general developing product and stuff. And it was sort of an obvious thing that we started this project because I realized pretty quickly that this just wasn't present in the marketplace. Like it just wasn't there at all. Um, so it, like in its traditional form and it has every ability to be as proliferative as a cup of coffee, if it's standardized and if it's tested to have the right material, the right strains, which we've worked so hard over the last eight years to work preemptively with the regulatory agencies to set standards and then to, and to build a supply chain that can handle sort of that whole thing as we scale up and sort of, because what we're trying to do is to try to integrate it fully into every layer of the existing infrastructure in the market um, and make it available to people uh, as a regular food product in its more uh, subtle form. And then as a medicinal product in its, you know, sort of alcohol alternative in its more potent form uh, using different strains, different extraction methods, et cetera, but methods that all mimic traditional preparation. Um, so that's sort of how we arrived at it and where we're at now as, as a company 
you know, True Kava is more than just a, you know, a company that's providing kava. We're also, it's also an initiative and um, in and, and an advocacy campaign, you know, for safe usage of, uh, of quality kava um, and just education as to what kava is as well. So that's quite the journey, Cameron. I appreciate you sharing that. And I love what you shared about pain to purpose. I think a lot of us that get into this field uh, really do so out of a, a tragedy. I know for me, my mom passed of cancer due to a lot of misinformation in the oncology space and, you know, Western medical treatments and really uh, just a lot of misleading advice leading up to that point. And that what spun me on this journey. And so I think that's just amazing story. And as you were healing throughout that process, when you found Kava, was that the main thing that really shifted things for you? Or were you also, you mentioned it wasn't the only thing, what else were you doing that brought you? Cause I've worked with patients in that situation mm-hmm. who were well, two situations, one who were going through horrific benzo withdrawals, which when you get yourself into trouble with benzos, that is a rocky road to get out mm-hmm. of like you shared. And also people who had developed such extreme chemical sensitivity, EMF sensitivity and food sensitivity that like you said, with your experience, they reacted to almost anything. They had to like sit in a dark room to not feel like they were in severe pain and discomfort. And so I'm curious what other strategies and protocols you found highly effective during your healing journey in addition to the kava. There was a lot that we layered in. We layered things in very slowly because when you end up on that level of the sensitivity spectrum, the autoimmune spectrum, uh, it's slow and low is the name of the game. Like you can't tolerate hardly anything. The good thing was, is that kava kind of came in what we know now, um, you know, in the scientific literature, and this is something that's been understood by indigenous islanders forever, there's a phenomenon that, that comes from kava that's called reverse tolerance, which makes it very different than any other pharmaceutical or even most of the plant compounds, is that, you know, most substances, especially that are psychoactive or euphoric, you get the most prominent effect first time you take it, and then tolerance ensues, receptors downregulate, and you end up basically in a state of neurotransmitter resistance, um, and then, you know, you, you just get less and less effects or it levels off or whatever. Uh, your kava is just the opposite. The least you'll ever feel kava is the first time you take it because there's, there's a loading period. Um, and you, most people feel it in the beginning, but you feel it even more after taking it a month. And it, it was proposed a long time ago that this had something to do with an upregulatory process that was going on at the GABA receptor sites. And we know now from the literature that's starting to be unpacked. And that is in fact the case. Um, and so, which is just phenomenal, right? That not only does it give this acute relief, but it also helps to rehabilitate the parasympathetic nervous system that's been beat down and imbalanced by too much stress, too much trauma, and end up in this sympathetic reactive dominance kind of thing. So kava was part of it for sure. There, the longer that I drank kava, it helped to retrain that system and upregulate, and I just became less and less reactive. So it kind of came in as this crutch. But while I was doing that, sort of working at the chemical level with kava, um, I was also just working on sort of emptying the stress bucket because at the end of the day, you know, this sort of this chemical sensitivity, this autoimmune spectrum hypersensitivity comes from an overflowing stress bucket, physical, chemical, emotional stressors. And the system just becomes so traumatized that it's basically sees everything as a threat. And with good reason, it's been so hurt based. It's trying to protect you. So it's spouting off these crazy reactions indiscriminately to even things that are normally good for you. It's not just things that are bad for you, right? Not gluten and these, these kind of things. It just, it can be anything and everything. And so it, you have to lower that stress burden, but it's hard to do because you end up with this negative feedback loop where you're neurotoxic 
and your liver toxic. And a lot of it is physical toxins and metabolic waste that builds up. And a lot of that is because the system gut permeability has happened, which is part of the going into the autoimmune process, leaky gut. And you end up with this leaky system that becomes like a magnet for toxin. It doesn't have the available energy, the metabolic ability to be able to get rid of waste. And it, and, and so it attracts waste because the system is so, so you become progressively more toxic and then the system becomes more reactive because it's full of more of these irritate, the irritants, stress. And then you've got the emotional trauma on top of that, of the whole process that helps prime it. And it's this massive spiral. So you got to interrupt that pattern. Kava is a great way, a tool for interrupting that pattern so that you can start to relax, start to sleep better. Everything improves when you sleep better and all this stuff. But at the same token, I started navigating a process for emptying the bucket physically by navigating a true cellular detoxification process, right? So there are companies out there like Quicksilver or, you know, this, this, you know, this company systemic formulas that I was working with that um, has, you know, developed whole intricate sort of, you know, medical procedural systems uh, for addressing detox. I'm not talking about like a, a, a liver or a colon cleanse, a 10 day or this or that. I'm talking about a long-term process. It took you years, possibly decades to accumulate the, the neurotoxins in your neural tissue. And they don't come out in 10 days. You have to work at the cell level to upregulate the systems that are the detox pathways, right? The glutathione system, the whole thing from an intracellular standpoint, then you have to make sure an usher improves cell function enough improve the membrane integrity, improve the integrity of the extracellular space, use certain types of safe binders uh, in cycles, right? We use certain types of hydrolyzed zeolites that go into the cell. There's a lot, so there's a system that we use to start at the cell and to usher the toxins out. And then we use binders in the gut to make sure that the toxins don't get reabsorbed or to cut down on, on auto intoxication. Which is, which is an old, uh, it's, it's, it's a relatively old approach that sort of came out of you know, people with mold toxicity that used, uh, you know, cholestyramine, you know, which was like a synthetic one, but we use different types of carbon that, that sit in the gut because a lot of the toxin makes its way to the liver and sits there and gets bound up to bile and then gets reabsorbed. So there's this whole process of making sure to usher waste out from the cell and then make sure that it makes it fully out of the body. And that way you can efficiently start to lower your toxic burden and you become less reactive when you do that. The problem is detox is also harsh on your system. It, it, it's, it, you know, you have to go slow. So kava helps in that sort of downregulating and calming down the reactivity towards that. So there was detoxification. I was sort of working under the hood with the detoxification. And then I was sort of, you know, keeping everything at bay with the kava and helping to rehabilitate. And then I slowly integrated different types. It's like, you know, all of healing at the end of the day comes down to a very simple principle out with the bad in with the good. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. it's like, you know, and so it, that, that's simple and the, the way that you execute it can be quite complicated, but, but it's basically like remove the interference and then feed the body's intelligence, you know, the correct nutrients, the correct therapies, the correct energies, all of those things that help it do what it already prioritizes and does. Right. You can only assist it and amplify the body's ability to turn over bad cells into good cells, damaged cells into, into, into healthy, robust cells. And so on top of that, so I did detoxification. I, of course, you know, Yukava helped in that process um, and then did all kinds of nutritional stuff, good fats, good clean proteins, targeted supplementation, you know, all of the basic stuff that we use in functional medicine that definitely helps along with everything else. And then I, I took a lot of regenerative medicine approaches too. out of all the things that I did from hyperbaric oxygen to PMFs, PEMFs and different things. 
the thing that was most profound for me was stem cells. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing that's got to be sourced correctly. Uh, you know, there's, that's becoming a booming industry where you get a lot of crap that's out there, stuff that doesn't even contain the right cells. Umbilical cord cells are neutral cells that don't cause graft versus host reactions. And, and I, I was too sick to go through the procedure of having like bone marrow extracted and all this kind of stuff that a lot of people are doing. But I got tremendous benefit off of exosomes, you know, periodic exosome infusions and stem cell infusions. Um, and once I started doing those, stem cells are some of the most powerful modulators of the immune system. So uh, my reactivity just started to stabilize permanently more and more and more. And I just started to slowly level out as I would start getting these, these regular infusions, like I say regular once every six months. Um, and so that was a big thing. So it was the combination of a lot of these different things that eventually built the inertia enough behind my healing process to where my body then eventually took over and was healthy enough to just be robust and healthy again. And then eventually leveled out, you know, yep. so. And it's important for people to understand it's never just one thing. It's always a a cumulative effort of a whole bunch of different variables at play. And I love what you shared on detoxification. I just did an episode on that with an expert talking about how it's a slow process. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And Mm -hmm. the sicker you are, the slower you have to go to not overload your pathways and create even worse problems for yourself. Uh, And I love Dr. Dan Pompa's work uh, with True Southern Mm -hmm. Detox. And I know you've done some work with him. So all that stuff is is very valuable to, to share. But coming back to the kava and the reverse tolerance, something I'm personally fascinated with is to start to achieve these this reverse tolerance effect. Does someone have to use kava on a daily basis? Or for example, I use kava maybe once or twice a week, uh, just uh, on a more of an as needed basis, not as a daily use type of thing. Would that also achieve a long-term uh, reverse tolerance effect and helping to resensitize any GABA receptors? It it appears that it does. It just, it just, in, in my experience, it does. It just, um, it just works slower. Obviously the, the faster you load, if you use it every day and if you're drinking like the, the drink, um, especially like the, the, the products that we have coming up in the future are more of like the kick of what you'd get from a kava bar. The Kavaplex oil that we have today is more of like a controlled daily tonic. That's, that's more subtle. That's meant to be tolerated by all ages in any time of the day. So it's kind of like the baseline product. And then we sort of go up from there to the, the more potent stuff. Um, if you're drinking the drink drink, like the stuff that we have coming up, then that loads it a little faster. If you drink it every single day, then you get that buildup effect, that reverse tolerance effect faster. But eventually if you take it, if you take it two to three times a week, it'll get you there, just get you there a little bit slower um, to your maximum. After about two months of taking it regularly, if you were taking it every day for two months, that's going to get you about at your maximum of how potent kava is going to be for you. And then it levels off and stays there. But at that point, Got so. It. And, and one thing with the kava, especially for daily use that I think is important to outline, um, especially on the topic of detoxification, is the effect on the liver. So I know there's a lot of myths floating around that kava is really hard on the liver. And I've heard you speak eloquently on, you know, how, why this is really not the case. And I'd like you to explain and break down how this misconception came to be and, you know, kind of clarify, you know, if kava has any negative effects on our, our liver. Yeah, totally. That's definitely one of the first, uh, you know, major uh, you know, misconceptions, misnomers, basically that virtually anyone who's just Googled Kava has come across at some point heard of on websites or blogs or forums or anything like that. Um, it actually used to be more proliferative because now it's starting to shift to about 50-50 of what you see back and forth. But um, because, you know, within the scientific community, there really is no discrepancy anymore. It's only with just in the public domain. It's like once something gets out there, a belief system, people just repeat it 
to the point in which they're not even like tracing it back to the, to, you know, the origin of where the initial claim came from, or you can't even articulate that. And it really, this entire belief system around kava or correlation to liver toxicity came from literally one series of studies from one product from one pharmaceutical company in 2001, 2002 uh, in Germany. And, you know, basically this was one pharmaceutical company that was trying to, at the time, they realized there was sort of a rush to get, you know, kava, you know, into the marketplace and to create patentable products like pharmaceutical companies normally are trying to do to try to distinguish and to try to, you know, you basically own the substance, um, not realizing that with kava, you're actually going to get something that's not only, you know, ineffective by creating synthetic isolates, because uh, you kill potency like you do with the solvent extractions and these, these products in the shelf, uh, but you also get something that's potentially unsafe because of the way that you're doing it like that. So basically um, this whole process, um, this, this pharmaceutical company tried to create this product. They didn't really pay any homage or, or understanding to traditional preparation methodologies, like, like how the indigenous people in these, in these countries have been using them daily for 3000 years. They just looked in the literature and found that, oh, we want these two compounds, these single compounds. So we don't care what plant material we get it from as long as we get these compounds. They end up sourcing out low quality, cheap plant material, the cheapest they could find. And it actually wasn't mostly from the roots of the plant, which is the only thing that's been consumable daily by in islanders. And that's actually part of the definition of kava is the full spectrum water pressure extracted drink from the roots of Piper methysticum, right? So not the above ground leaves and stems of the plant, which do contain cavalactone still, but they also contain plant defense alkaloids that the plant produces to protect itself from pests, which cause roughage and, and you know, can cause inflammation in the body. Not even like bad, bad toxicity as far as that we know, but a little bit of toxicity. But if you do like they did is they took this material, used solvents like acetone and different things, which highly concentrated those, those alkaloids, right? So now you have something that is not by definition kava at all, right? You have something that's a synthetic product that is an isolate that's a massive deviation from what kava is. Um, so it's not kava. And then what they did was they gave it to many patients in the studies that were most of which were on heavy doses of acetaminophen or coming off of alcohol, which is part of what it was set up to be. So they already had compromised liver function, virtually every person in the, um, in, in, in the trials. So, uh, a few people got hurt. Uh, there was a couple, even like cases of liver failure. And then this turned into this big story, um, uh, you know, that just proliferated and just blew up and then countries got scared and reactively just started banning it, not scheduling it, but just banning it for sale. Like it was this toxic thing, totally looking over the fact that traditional kava has been drank daily by 90% of the population of these islands for 3000 years with no reports of adverse health effects whatsoever. So it's like, it doesn't make sense from the get go. That's why it was never banned in the United States. FDA just kind of released a disclaimer that says, well, we don't know what happened, but you might want to be careful basically was what it said. Um, but in the scientific community, this has been fully flushed out over the last 15 years, so much so that it's very clear that this is a quality control issue. The WHO, which is normally resistant to stuff like this, has even taken a firm position saying this is a quality control issue. It's been consumed safely for years in this, and we've actually worked with them to develop this international quality standard that I mentioned earlier that lays out these criteria. It has to be traditional preparations, root material. It's got to be tested for mycotoxins, a lot of these things. And we within the next year, we're going to be able to get food classification like coffee, which is even farther than like supplement uh, type classification. 
Um, but yeah, so they basically even taken a statement saying that kava is a safe consumable food product if it meets these criteria. If not, it's not by definition kava. So virtually every country in the world that previously had a ban on kava is either in the process of lifting their bans or already has lifted it. So it's not even really an argument anymore. It's just a floating sort of, uh, you know, belief system that's kind of going out there. And part of what we're doing is to try to educate the public and do all of the credible work with the scientific community and the regulatory agencies to bring the, um, you know, the, the, the transparent truth about the differentiation between what is kava and what is not kava. And, and, yeah. and yeah. that it's a food product. It's, it's very similar to what happened like in the early 90s in the, in the United States with tryptophan. Tryptophan, for a lot of people who's people have been around supplements, may remember that uh, it was banned like in the early 90s, the amino acid tryptophan for a short period of time because someone synthesized something that was not chemically tryptophan that had neurotoxins in it. It hurt a few people and they banned all of tryptophan because of that. That was flushed out. Tryptophan is now on the market again, right? So it's it's like if, if you were to ban, if it's like, you know, someone got sick from something that wasn't meat and you banned meat, right? Because you thought it was meat. It's just, it's not. <laughs> and so, uh, so it's a very interesting situation, but it's not unheard of. It's actually very common. Virtually every single plant medicine, especially psychoactive plant medicine has had the strikes against its reputation. It's kind of like this whole movement in the past seven, eight years about distinguishing CBD from marijuana you know, it's the same kind of thing. It's just, it's taking a second, third look at everything and making, you know, you know, the devil's in the details, understanding the nuances of a subject and not just blanketly like, you know, dismissing something because there's some part of it in some context that was actually harmful. One herb that is getting similar kind of heat, and I'm curious to get your opinion on, on this plant that is becoming more popular in use. And I've used it many times in the past and found a lot of benefit with proper sourcing and proper dosing is kratom. Mm -hmm. And is that something you've looked into? Can you speak on your thoughts on the benefits oh, yeah. or downsides and what mm -hmm. your thoughts are on, on that plant? Sure. Yeah. So it, it goes by, you know, it's, it's spelled that way in the, in the, uh, it's actually in, in Thailand, it's called Kratom. It's mm -hmm. is what we must be able to use. So some people say Kratom, 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 but yeah, that's yeah. basically what we're talking about for anyone who's heard any of those names. Um, so Kratom is kind of to opiates what Kava is to benzodiazepines and alcohol, even though Kava has efficacy on, on withdrawal from opiates as well too, because the GABA system just downregulates and calms everything down. Um, it, it's, it's, it's similar in that regard. Um, so basically it is a plant-based opioid, um, but an opioid that, that is more biologically compatible that doesn't cause respiratory depression in virtually any dosage. Um, when respiratory depression is what people die from and overdoses from opiates. And so, um, and instead of binding strongly to the receptors, it kind of hovers around the receptors and modulates it in a way that, uh, is less, far less addictive. Now, Kratom does differentiate from, from Kava. Kratom is not as tonic and not as anywhere. It's not safe, as, as safe as Kava for regular, regular all the time use, right? Sure. But it's far safer than any synthetic opiate. It's gotten a lot of unnecessary negative press just because that there is such thing as Kratom withdrawal, but it's, it's probably in most people, it appears, and what we've seen, is that it's a little worse than coffee withdrawal. And for very sensitive people, maybe a little worse than that, but nobody is like going like far cry, like suicidal off of Kratom withdrawal. You know what I mean? It's, it's so yeah. it's, it, it's a tool that has a place 
And it's a great tool to transition off of opiates that like ruin lives, right? That like Mm -hmm. kill people, ruin lives, everything. So I see it as more of like an acute transitional tool and something to be used in spurts, not something to be used every day. Kava sort of builds the system. It's more tonic. It's more modulatory. Kava can be like jettisoned like a food product, like coffee into the marketplace. Kratom is going to have a more limited spectrum of use. Um, but it still is a tremendous medicine. There's a lot of it that's toxic out there, contaminated with all kinds of nonsense, heavy metals, the whole thing. And there's many different strains of it. And so sourcing it correctly, it's, it kind of is a similar story in that regard. Uh, there's some strains that are more daytime, more nighttime, but it is a good medicine too. It has its place as well too. It's just, there's a lot of these um, places like head shop type of places. Uh, we're trying to sort of get away from that, that, that image of kava, you know, that, that are just providing like what people want is like natural highs and just like throwing kava and kratom and all these different things and mixing them together. And a lot of them are sourced poorly. You know, the, the kava has to be sourced. It's got to be root material, like we said, and everything. And so a lot of these mix, you just got to be very careful about what you're, you, what you're getting and mixing. You know, most of the time, pretty much all the time, you're going to be safer with any of these things than you are with their like synthetic alternatives, right? You know, like with like opiates, you know, like uh, benzodiazepines, but you still can get contaminants come through. And with Kratom, there is such thing as withdrawal. So just be aware of that uh, if uh, if a person is going to engage with that thing and just be very cautious and very careful. Kratom is not issued or, or um, categorized as a dietary supplement. So it's far, far more limited as to what you can do, uh, you know, and kava is moving even farther towards food classification through our standards. Um, so it's go, it's just in a different league as far as like its, its ability to proliferate its safety. But kratom is one of those other kind of things that's sort of one of those gray area classification compounds that compared to almost anything that's synthetic, it's, it's, it's pretty darn safe and it's a good medicine. Yeah. I think like you shared, it's a great alternative to, um, you know, it's the lesser of two evils. Let's put it like that. And I I absolutely love, uh, Kratom. I I've been using it sporadically once a week or once every two weeks as a nootropic in low doses. I find the dopaminergic effect is fantastic for energy and, and focus and mental clarity. And so for those reasons, when used responsibly, I see a lot of, uh, potential as a mental performance enhancing aid. I've never used it as an analgesic, uh, which I know requires mm-hmm. much higher dosing, but nonetheless, I've had a lot of people uh, rely on that as an alternative to opiates and find good success. So I think that's something worth mentioning. Uh, back on the benzo, before we you know wrap up here, I have a, several listeners who have reached out to me that have uh, been suffering, you know, in the active stages of benzo withdrawals, you know, kind of getting poor recommendations from uh, medical doctors that, you know, got on them in college uh, for mild to moderate anxiety. And then they got to a place where it was so severe and they tried to get off it and had just these horrific problems, as, you know, you could relate to based on your story. And so you've already shared Kava being a excellent option for individuals. I know we're not sharing any medical advice here, just your personal opinions. Um, you know, what, is that something that you would that you personally would use uh, daily uh, to help with benzo withdrawal and what other strategies would you integrate or share with the audience who might be going through challenges similar to what you did, but more specific to benzos, not so much the autoimmune and, and uh, different toxic toxicity that you overcame, but more so the, the withdrawal effects of that class of pharmaceuticals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, you know, I, I, um, in my personal experience and what we've just observed, right. And people that have chosen to do that, um, you know, it's, it's, it's been the best single tool, right? And then around it, 
basically the strategy that I would take. You know, first of all, yes, I took it every single day whenever I was withdrawing from benzos or whenever I was on benzos and then started to taper off the benzos very slowly and titrate the dose. At, whenever I felt as though I was stabilized and, and comfortable, and then I started to reduce it very slowly was the way that I approached it. Um, but at the same time, the best thing to do is to do everything you can from sort of a functional medicine or health and wellness standpoint to strengthen up the integrity of the system, just to make it more flexible and to make it more adaptive, to strengthen adaptability, right? So that's a very broad statement, but basically everything that you can do from a supplemental standpoint, from a dietary standpoint, um, you know, from a sleep standpoint, if you can start optimizing your sleep, everything gets better, right? Everything mm -hmm. modulates a little bit better. You're going to adapt better and your body's going to be able to reset its receptors and everything a little bit better and replenish that brain chemistry that's, that's been exhausted or been sapped out of you by the drugs, which is really what you want to do. So basically anything that helps metabolic health is going to help you recover faster. Um, everything that feeds the mitochondria is going to help you recover faster. So just whatever the person can tolerate. A lot of times people in benzo withdrawal can't tolerate a lot of like physical exercise, but they may be able to tolerate, say, sauna or a hot cold therapy or things that to work out the mitochondria and help to get this endogenous chemical release and help to get blood flow in these different places. So things like that, obviously getting high good fats that really, really help with cell membranes, you know, and the in the neurological system and stuff. All of those things are kind of the basics that feed the the base of the system at its roots. Um, and that's really that's that's a really basic kind of uh, you know, overview of it. Um, you know, kava was very, very strong. Uh, I, there are, are other compounds that if it, you know, if you can stack with kava that are GABAergic that kind of intensify its effects and bring out more of the sleep qualities or this and that there's, there's, uh, a compound of flavonoid from, uh, magnolia officinalis, you know, magnolia bark, which is called hanokiol, which is like a GABA precursor to some degree, but a GABA enhancing agent as well too, natural. It's very strong. You can stack with kava. There's a company called Econogenics that produces that. And there's others as well out there. Um, there's, you know, a Chinese herb that's very good that stacks with kava. It's called Zizifus jujube. Um, and it's, it's basically, it's one of the, what they call Chinese like shin tonic, but what we know from the scientific literature, it's also a GABAergic. It helps sort of with that GABA glutamate balance and it helps to sort of do that recycling process and to sort of feed that system. You can obviously take any of the basic things to stack along with kava. You can just take straight GABA. You can take L-theanine, any of these basic sort of amino acids, taurine and, and stuff. Um, you can even, uh, you know, cycle things, stronger things that are more like borderline synthetics, pseudosynthetic, not as bad as benzos, like, like phenobut, um, phenylbutyric acid, uh, that's in there. you don't want to use that all the time, but you could stack it in there to help give a little bit of that extra power to hit the GABA B receptors. So you're not hitting the same thing all the time. There's, um, so there's some strategies around that. Basically most of the strategies that are directly targeting from a subliminal standpoint are going to target that system though. You're trying to prop it up. Um, and kava is one of the best things to do that, but there are these other compounds around there that help, um, from a therapeutic standpoint. Um, I've, I've never seen any single easy therapy. That's like a one shot, one time kind of thing. Then stem cells that can really help a per increase a person's adaptability, like really fast. So in any kind of recovery process, or just seen that work wonders. Now that's an expensive intervention, you know, you're going to pay several thousand dollars for an infusion if you get them at the right places and stuff, but it is an option, right? The other thing um, is 
NAD infusions as well. Um, you know, NAD is like the master regulator of metabolism. And this is something that's becoming very popular in the anti-aging community. Um, it helped activating these sirtuin genes and everything that help the, the turnover of stem cells, but they really helped to just add metabolism to the brain and help the brain start really producing the chemistry that's, that's lost there from the drugs. And it really helps with the withdrawal process. So different types of nutrient IVs, primarily IVs of amino acids, potentially stem cells, um, different amino acids, right. That, that are the precursors to these neurotransmitters. Um, and then just basic like Myers cocktail type stuff, glutathione, you know, in acetylcysteine, the, you know, the benefit of taking them in IV form, you just get your levels up really fast. And most people that are sick and benzo withdrawal, they have like, they've got all kinds of, um, you know, digestion issues because they're in poor health a lot of times. So you just, it's harder for them to absorb nutrients a lot of times. So IVs just really bolster up and get those nutrients into the brain that help the process along. Um, outside, you know, long-term strategy to deal with the underlying cause of why you're taking the benzos, detoxification, <laughs> you know. Um, and that's, I mean, all that stuff is in kind of the wheelhouse of stuff that I use together. Kava yeah. was a big leverage point that made a huge difference though. Super helpful strategies. And I've seen NAD work wonders for people, uh, nutrient IVs like you shared, of course, the foundation can't be neglected. Hydration, sleep, good diet, good lifestyle practices. That's always going to be the, the essentials. And then these are more just adjuncts to uh, all those basic practices. Um, so as we wrap up here, Cameron, uh, what should people seek out when they're looking to buy high quality kava? I know a lot of people listen to this and are going to say like, man, this kava stuff sounds incredible. I want to get my hands on some. Maybe people have tried you know, the kava teas that don't really do much and some of the other stuff you've shared. So they want to get some, their hands on some real deal kava. And I know your company, True Kava, T-R-U Kava, uh, I've used and absolutely love um, with your kava oils and the little shots you guys came out with. I've been really digging those. Um, so what, what should people look for? Is there an organic certification or are there any parameters you recommend that would be a red flag or, you know, the green light, so to say, uh, when they're shopping around for kava? Yeah. So basically what you would want to do if you're really, really wanting to be careful, which you should always want to be is, is, um, you know, find a company that does third-party lab testing, uh, that meets all of these qualification standards, basically that does covalactone profile, you know, testing that can, um, that can verify, um, that you, they do chlorophyll testing, meaning that shows that they have hundred percent root material, no aerial parts in the kava, and then you look around for, you start experimenting with different strains. If you have companies that are using in individual strains, most companies, a lot of, there are some companies that claim and it, it's really not, you know, so there's no really way of proving that to you. That's just something that's more of an experimental thing or, or, or an, an experiential thing that you kind of know the strain once you've, you've, you know, started to use it. Um, of course, in the future, we'll have, you know, your methods of doing that, but we do use individual strains. Um, we have a strain, uh, you know, a basic strain that's very popular in Vanuatu. It's very balanced across the board. That's, uh, that's, that's grown organically. It's, you know, everything is grown organically in Vanuatu. And so we don't have the organic certification yet. Uh, we will, once we have the, um, you know, in some of the other islands, Hawaii and different things. Um, but yeah, so those are the basic things. And so we can provide that third party, um, those third party COAs, the lab results, uh, you know, to anyone who's interested in, in, uh, in them batch by batch. Um, and you know, most companies you're kind of rolling the dice cause they just don't do that. They make all kinds of claims, but they can't send you anything. They can't do any of that type of stuff, you know? So, 
Uh, so yeah. And then you just have to experience it, uh, you know, and sort of feel it for yourself. Um, but those are the criteria that I would look for. I, I would look for, you know, covalactone profile. I would look for testing for mycotoxins, which is a problem. Mold toxins are heavy on kavas. It's a tropical plant. Um, a lot of kavas infested with that or certain types of bacteria, pesticides, you know, the whole thing. So someone who does testing for purity and potency is basically what you'd be looking for. Um, with, with us, our two products, we've got the oil products, which I had had mentioned earlier is sort of like the entry level product, most versatile, taking anything, put it in like a bulletproof style coffee, caffeine and MCT go great with it. It helps to increase the uptake, kick it in harder, faster, um, takes the edge off some of the jitteriness of the coffee, the whole thing. And then the shots are kind of like an extra adjunct for extra stressful situations. What we have coming up is a whole line of drinks, which is sort of like taking it to the next level. Those are going to be more of the full like recreational experience, like full alcohol alternative, which you'd get at a kava bar in the islands. Um, uh, so less controlled, more of just the overall. And those are going to be available in drink form, carbonated drink form, just like you would get a beer or a kombucha. That's what it's going to be. And we have a new shot that's going to be representative of that as well sometime in the next month. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So that's sort of like what we focused on with the product line um, is having these drinks available and then having an oil form, uh, you know, available as more of sort of a daily tonic supplement. I love the, I love the broad spectrum of effects because I've used Kava in social situations like you're describing as a way, a healthy alternative to alcohol to enhance verbal fluency and just kind of as Mm -hmm. a social lubricants. I've used it in, like you shared, uh, coffee as more of a nootropic. And then I really enjoy using your guys' kava shots uh, before my yoga class. Uh, I find it really enhances the yoga Mm -hmm. practice in terms of your focus, your clarity, as well as just tranquility and ability to really go deep um, as part of the mental emotional side of that practice in, you know, in, in conjunction with the physical stuff of kind of the uplifting and uh, it's, it's interesting because it uplifts you in an energetic way, but also relaxes you, you know, mm-hmm. so it's, it's got kind of this really unique blend of uh, benefits. So I, I love that. So I definitely recommend everyone listening in, check out True Kava. Uh, I think Cameron's going to give uh, me a discount for all of my listeners. So I'll be sure to put that in the show notes. And Cameron, where can people find more of your work? You know, if they want to connect with you on social media, website, where's the best place for people to go? Yeah, so it's going to be TRU Kava, like on, on Instagram. It's going to be at TRU Kava. Uh, if you Facebook, TRU Kava. Um, our, our website is going to be trukava.com or get trukava.com. Either one of those will take you to the spot. You can find all the research, the studies, various other podcasts, different types of media that we've done. The available products right now, any updates on what's going on in the Kava community, there's a blog on there as well too. So, uh, so yeah, so basically everything that's going on with this initiative, this project, uh, you'll be able to find on there and just sort of keep up with what's coming out in the future and what's going on uh, within the, you know, the, the Kava community and what's going on as far as like the, the, you know, the new availability and efficacy of new products as well too. So and take things to the next level. Amazing. Well, thanks for coming on the show, Cameron. It's been great. Man. Absolutely, man. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Thanks so much.